Welcome to the Inside Edge. The Blue Jackets are through the Christmas break. It was an extended Christmas break, as a matter of fact, which we'll talk about in just a moment. And they're getting set to go back to action against the New York Islanders on Long Island tomorrow night. I'm Bob McElligot, along with Jody Shelley. And, Jody, uh, it was an extended break for the Blue Jackets because they played in Chicago on Friday, the 23rd of December. It's mandated by the collective bargaining agreement. You get the 24th, 25th, 26th off. And then we were supposed to go back to work on the 27th, but the Buffalo Sabres couldn't get out of Buffalo. Their airport was closed, and that game has been postponed and is going to be rescheduled. But what that did was actually created a little bit of practice time for the Blue Jackets, and practice time is something that this team hasn't had very much of lately. As a player, once you get into the season and you're playing a lot of games, uh, is practice important? Do you want to practice, or do you need to practice, I guess is the better question. Yeah, that that's the that's the question. I mean, as a player, you you enjoy practice days. I mean, it gives you a chance to to take a breath, and you know, it's a different kind of camaraderie when you're when you're out there practicing and working on things, and you feel like you accomplish things, especially when you're young in the league. And, and this Blue Jackets team is really young, uh, so it, it's important to get together and practice, and you know, feel good about yourself a little bit, and take a breath. And I think that's the most important thing. You know. You look at the break, guys traveled, you know, some guys went back home if they could. Some guys stayed in different cities. Some guys stayed here in Columbus. And then, you know, you rushed to get back, especially it was a stressful travel season. I know probably a lot of our listeners dealt with some of that stress and, and you know, flight cancellations and weather. And uh, so when you get back and you have to go right into a game, which they would have yesterday, um, you know, it, it, your, your engine's still revved up, but you're also still a little rusty from the break. Uh, so to get a practice day yesterday, get a practice day today, now fly to Long Island where we sit. It's like, yes, you need to practice. And, and you know, I go back a few years when I just retired or a few years into retirement. Listen to Zach Wierenski, this new breed of player, uh, talking about touches of the pucks and, and not getting enough practice and needing practice. It makes you realize how much they appreciate the practice. As a veteran guy, you don't really, you, you kind of put it in automatic mode. And you kind of cruise through that. You know what I mean? You know your habits. You feel good. You just want to play games. But these guys want to be on the ice. So I think it's important in it and hopefully refreshing that they got a practice or two in uh, that they wouldn't have had. The news that came out yesterday is Patrick Laine has COVID. Elvis Merzlikens was out with the same thing. So there are a couple of question marks as to what the lineup is going to be for the game tomorrow night, who's going to be healthy and who's not going to be healthy. And, you know, it's that time of the year, and I know there have been guys that have been playing through things, uh, you know, in the last couple of weeks. But here's the, you know, situation where the Blue Jackets might be without Patrick Line once again, which unfortunately is uh, a situation that they've had to deal with twice already this year with the injuries that he has had. So, you know, I guess if he had been playing all along, it would be a bigger deal. But uh, they're just going to have to find a way to adjust. And if there's any team that has found a way to adjust to injuries, it has been the Columbus Blue Jackets. Well, it's been a tough year for both of those guys. I mean, injury-wise, you know, very inconsistent starts as far as time on ice and, and rhythm with players. And, you know, having other players go out affects everybody's game. So, you know, for line A, inconsistent on the ice when he's been in the lineup and now inconsistent to stay in the lineup. But I know he's got to be extremely frustrated. He's a guy that coming off his last injury, uh, you know, he he was simply saying, "I hope I can play the rest of the game." So for him, yeah, tough little setback for him for the team too. I mean, he's a guy that is counted on uh, every single night, and and you know he's a guy that's trying to find his game. And and for Elvis, he's in the same boat. 
these are key pieces of this organization uh, to be, you know, a top line winger and a number one goalie that really haven't done that this year. And, and there's been moments when they're in the lineup when, you know, they haven't looked like they're on their game. And, and there's moments when they're not in the lineup where other guys have had to fill in. And that's the case again here with Lina. I mean, he's, he's a guy that probably won't play and Elvis probably will be the backup adjusting to the injuries. I don't know if they're adjusting very well because they're not getting the results. And, and that's just a fact of how far they've gone down in the depth chart with, with calling guys up and, and testing guys in different situations. And, you know, you look at some of the teams who are playing well, there's lineup changes, minor lineup changes for healthy lineups. There's minor tweaks to lines at different times, but nothing like you're seeing here with the Blue Jackets. It's the only consistency they've had is on the back end. And that's the, that top four with good Branson and Bernie and Bjork and Gavrikov, where, you know, you can see that they're finding rhythm together. So that's a constant, and that's something that uh, has been lacking throughout the rest of the lineup. You know why there's that consistency? Because you had guys get hurt for the entire season right away, so you had to go ahead and plug some holes there. And as you said, now that's starting to take hold. Speaking of roster moves and, you know, not having a line A is a bad thing. Here's a good thing. Cole Sillinger has been activated off injured reserve. He's been practicing this week, and so he's able to draw back into the lineup. The Blue Jackets have also brought up Emil Bemstrom again from the Cleveland Monsters on emergency recall, and defenseman Jake Christensen, who I thought was playing well uh, at certain points, he's been sent back to Cleveland. So even though he's playing well, uh, he hasn't been playing as well as some other guys, and we're going to have two of them on here coming up in just a few minutes. Marcus Bjork and Tim Bernie are both going to join us. Um, you know, Christensen, kind of the, the odd man out now as uh, the team gets a little bit healthier. Yeah, and it's too bad for him that he didn't find a, a partner to play with higher up in the lineup because, you know, he is a player with a great skill set. He was playing physical. I thought his skating ability was showing up. He was starting to attack the play. He wasn't just surviving. It's different when you get called up and you're just trying to stay here or just trying to stay in the lineup. And that's where Bjork and Bernie, you kind of feel like they're in a rhythm now. For Christensen, you know, he, he's on that bottom pair with Peak, uh, trying to settle in there. You get Boquist back, who's a veteran guy, who they're going to definitely throw back in the lineup. So one guy has to come out. So the other two guys finding some consistency and some cohesion with their D partners. Yes, he's the odd man out. Great news on Cole Sillinger. You know, he's a young player that's going to be here a long time. He's got over 100 games experience, which isn't very much, but it's more than most of the guys that are playing up in the forward position. So that's the guy that comes back who understands the system, who understands what it, it takes to be a Blue Jacket, understands what he's a part of. Also a guy who's trying to find his game. So hopefully he comes in, stays in the rest of the year and, and finds that game for this team. Uh, and it's always a boost when you get veteran guys back. You know, there's players in this lineup now that uh, were healthy scratch. Uh, you know, Kent Johnson was first couple games of the season. Couldn't get in the lineup uh, with the depth chart. But now he's a top line centerman. So that's kind of the story of the Blue Jackets right now. And hopefully I'd like to see Cole get a, a an opportunity up there in those positions. And we'll see what happens with him, but a boost to get him back for sure. Yeah, big-time boost to get him back. And as you said, Adam Boquist came back in the last game against the Chicago Blackhawks. That's a big boost. That gives you a, a top power play quarterback to run that thing. And, uh, you know, it, it seems like it's getting better, slowly but surely. But, again, there's still key pieces that you know you're going to be out uh, that you're going to be without for the remainder of the year. But coming up, we're going to talk to a couple of very young defensemen. Tim Burney will join us in just a bit. But next, Marcus Bjork will step in for the first time here on the Inside Edge on 97.1 The Fan. Bjork through the neutral zone. Enters the Islanders' end. 
got stick checked as he crossed the line. Puck comes to Bemstrom, however, and Emil takes a backhanded shot through the crease. Bjorkman fires one, and he scores! The Swedish chef, Marcus Bjork, 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 gets his first National Hockey League goal! That was the first goal that Marcus Bjork ever scored, and it happened against the Islanders on Long Island, and that's exactly where the Blue Jackets will be playing tomorrow night. I'm Bob McElligan, along with Jody Shelley. This is the Inside Edge, and we are joined by Marcus Bjork right now. Marcus, welcome to the show for the first time ever. Thank you very much for being here. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Hey, your season so far, what a well, you have a crazy journey we'll talk about as we go on here, but uh, the season so far for you, you started in Cleveland a couple of weeks ago. You get to come up here. Uh, you get that first goal against the Islanders. Uh, your dad was there. Your girlfriend was there. At that time, you don't know how long you're going to be here, and here you still are weeks later with a pretty big role on this team. What has this whole NHL experience been for you like so far? Yeah, it's been uh, going fast. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. Like uh, like I've been saying before, it's uh my dream come true. Uh, finally play here in the big league with the big guys. Uh, that is why I came over uh, here. So, yeah, it's a lot of fun out there. And you came over here twice, actually, uh, from Sweden. You came over once to play in the USHL. That was a short-lived experience for yeah. you. When you came over here and you played and you decided to go back, did you ever think that you would get the opportunity that you're experiencing right now? Yeah, I did. Uh, I always been uh, want to be better every day and uh, believe myself. Uh, I think I learned a lot the first time I went over uh, with a lot of stuff. Uh, the compete level over here and uh, like in the young age, it is uh, uh, like it's a difference from Sweden. What are you finding the compete level like every night in the NHL? Yeah, it's uh, it's hard out there. Uh, it's fun. Yeah, I want to compete in a high level. Uh, so yeah, you need to play your best game every night. Marcus, I'm wondering, who's the best player or the best moment you've had where you realized, hey, this is uh, like, like maybe a player or a player you're up against where you're like, wow, this is my welcome to the NHL, playing against this player or being in a situation against someone on the ice? Yeah, I think it was <clears throat> it's been, we're playing really, really good teams. I think it was Barco when I played here back home in Florida, uh, back here in Nationwide when uh, I played against Barco all the game. Yeah. He's a skilled player, and then he started to recognize, like, oh, yeah, he can make some plays. So, wait, you watch this guy play on TV, you've seen his highlights, and now he's coming down on you one-on-one. -on -one, and that, what's, that, what's that like? Uh, out there, I don't, uh, I don't think so much. Uh, I'm just, like, in my game and, like, how we want to play. Uh, but maybe before and after the game, like, yeah, I played against these guys, uh, I think. <laughs> so... But during the game, I'm just focused, uh, like, on my own game. Last Christmas, what were you doing? Last Christmas? Uh, yeah. I was back home in uh, Umeå, actually. We got, like, three days off, uh, so I went back home. So if I told you last Christmas that you'd be in the NHL and you would have played 20 games by now, what would you have said to me? Uh, I would say uh, that would be fun. That would be my dream. <laughs> so... Uh, like I said, I always been dreaming about this and like working hard to get over here. Uh, it's every boy's dream, and especially in Sweden, like we're watching highlights in the locker rooms, in SHL, and everything. Like every morning before we start practicing, so here is where you want to be. 
So those teammates now, are they getting, are you getting a lot of texts and messages from them uh, when they see your highlights? Yeah. Yeah. They taste it sometimes and uh, like, Oh, you score a goal again. And uh, <laughs> you, you did as is, you know, yeah, it's fun. It's a lot of fun. I, you're playing a lot of minutes too. I mean, that's, it's, it's not pretty rare for a rookie to play 23, 24 or 25 minutes. Uh, that's got to feel better for, for you as a defenseman to, to, to get in that rhythm in a game, isn't it? Yeah, it does. Um, I think it's easier to play when you get more minutes. Uh, of course, you need to earn it. And like you need to play simple. You need to play. You need to have try to get shorter shifts and uh, make the plays uh, who who is there. So I like it a lot. I think I play much better when I get a lot of minutes. Uh, you seem to have a very focused and and a, a very strong attitude towards getting better. Where do you get that? Is it from your your parents? Is it from a coach? Where do you get that attitude? I think it's my attitude. I need to learn by myself, and of course, I have a lot of people surrounding me and uh, believe in me and help me all along my way. So that's been huge, and it's still helping me. Uh, so I think it's just my attitude. I was a little bit of a late bloomer when I was younger too, and needed to work hard and see other guys how they work, and I want to be better than them. I want to ask you too about when did you start being around NHL players or training with them? Because I remember when I was a young guy and I saw how hard they worked, that really helped me take it to another level. When did that start for you? It started pretty hard. Um, like I'm a really good young guy with uh, Carl Grunsom and LA Kings, and uh, we work together every summer. I want to work with him because he plays in the NHL. He's been here for three years, four years. So I just wanted to follow him and be better than him. Uh, he's a, he was a hard worker too so we have a lot of fun but it's hard back home so uh, he hates when I win over him and he ha- I hate when he wins over me so <laughs> hey so there's some great there's some legends around the game too like being on the ice is one thing from and Bob and I talk about it all the time we meet people in the press box we can't believe we've met who's someone you've met around the game being in the NHL now that you, you can't believe or you're kind of shocked that you got to talk to Oh, I think it was during the game, Pittsburgh, when I talked it fast with uh, Crosby. I think it was like during the game. Like, yeah, that's uh, one of the biggest guys like playing right now. And he's a uh, huge in hockey history, too. And like play against him and uh, like during the game when it's like on fire, too. And it's, yeah. What do you say to you? No, I say I think it was some. Uh, he thought it was a penalty. I was shaking like he had a puck and I was trying to get it from him. And I think he was saying something to the ref, and I was saying, "No, it's not a penalty." <laughs> <laughs> He's always talking to the ref. Yeah. <laughs> We're talking with the defenseman Marcus Bjork of the Blue Jackets, and you're playing all these minutes. You, you've been uh, you've quarterbacked the top power play here. You're playing with Vladislav Gavrikov as a defenseman. But that's not a position that you played your entire life. As a matter of fact, it was kind of a late switch for you to go from forward to defense, wasn't it? Yeah, it was when I was uh, 15, six, uh, 16. Just be, before a big tournament in Sweden, we have like called TV Pucken. Like um, every player wants to play. It's like you're in your state here in the in the America, and uh, you're trying to get in the best schools in Sweden. Like the SHL teams have schools around the country and you want to get into those like they have better schools and better development for ice hockey 
So it was like just before that tournament, uh, the coach was asking, like, can you be a defenseman? We don't have any defensemen for this tournament. So I was like, yeah, of course. I can play. Were Were you concerned about that, though? I mean, because here you are, you're trying to get into a school, and you're forward, and now you're going to do something that you haven't done. And were you worried at all about how that was going to affect how you might be selected or if you might be selected? Yeah, a little bit. Uh, right there and there, maybe not, but I was... I didn't play so much that tournament just because I switched the defenseman fast, but it was one school that took me, and uh, I'm grateful for that. And, uh, it was a really good school and uh, really, really hard training in such a young age, uh, like off ice and on ice. And I think that school, like learning how, like you need to, you need to work hard to earn it. What did you find out about? playing defense did it help that you were a forward first did, did you did you see the game in a certain way where I, the biggest thing is you got to be able to skate backwards yeah. if you're playing yeah. d right but did did you see the game uh, a different way maybe from being a forward for so long yeah i think so uh you start to like think like a little bit like how should i do when i was playing forward to, and stuff like that but uh yeah i think it was just that a little bit Speaking of being a forward and now moving to defense and shooting and scoring and all that stuff, uh, you just got a goal against Chicago in the last game, uh, putting the puck to the net. And, and I've got to ask you, sometimes you're on the ice with some really talented guys. Patrick Laine might be on one side, Johnny Gaudreau on the other side, especially when you were quarterbacking that power play. And were there times that maybe if you were in Cleveland or maybe if you were in Sweden, you would have shot the puck, but here you feel like, well, I, I better get it to one of these guys. Are, are you gaining more confidence in shooting the puck here? Yeah, man, I'm getting confidence every game with everything, but I think one of my big things is that I have a really good shot, uh, and everything builds with confidence too, like starting to use that more because I get more a threat too out there. Uh, you get one more player that other guys need to watch, and it's open up uh, other plays too when I start to shoot, and then I can make plays to uh, line and good draw too in the power play. What position did you play in forward? Were you a center or a winger? Winger. Oh, you were a winger. Okay. So not a lot of defensive zone time at all. Oh, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was what's just... the biggest? Ad... I'm wondering, what's the biggest adjustment? We always talk about defensemen take longer to develop. Is it the gap in the NHL? Is it is it having the confidence to get up and, and absorb the play in the neutral zone? What is it? Or going back to get pucks? Yeah, I think it's like the gap control and uh, absorb it in the middle zone too. I think that is the bigger difference, and everything goes so much faster. And I think too, like stay a little bit more calm, but because players here make plays, they're poison with the puck too. So, like, stay a little bit calmer and uh, move your feet all the time. I think that's a big thing over here. How about practice? You have uh, so many good resources in the NHL. Are you uh, <clears throat> enjoying all that, like all the video and all the, all the practice time you get? And plus, the coach is helping you. Yeah, I love it. Uh, I love watching videos and try to, like, yeah, what should I do different here and what can I learn? Uh, and on the ice, too, I like to a lot of shoot pucks after the practice and uh, try to work on small things who can help me in the, during the game. We've had a lot of players come in here and play with Gavrikov, and they say it's easy. Why is it easy to play with him? Uh, like he uh, doesn't do too much out there. Like his confidence is playing a lot of minutes in uh, uh, a lot of years. I think you know, on the high level, uh, he knows uh, uh, like what what he can do and like 
he's a big guy too, a big defenseman. He makes stops in the defensive zone. You know, like he's a really good D, and yeah, and we talk a lot out there, and it's uh, a lot of fun. Oh, he's such a he's such a good guy. He keeps it loose yeah. too, doesn't he? It seems like he's he kind of calms everyone down. Yeah, exactly. He calms me down out there. Uh, we have a smile sometimes and stuff like that. So it's uh, it's helping me a lot. Uh, he's a really good defenseman. Uh, like I said, he's playing in a high level for a couple of years, and uh, I'm trying to learn stuff he does uh, so I can bring it to my game. What has been the greatest thing so far about playing in the NHL? Uh, that is a lot of games. I love to be in the in the hockey bubble. What do you say? Like you always you eat, sleep, and travel and play. Uh, like back home in Sweden, we had like two games every week, and after Christmas it was three games every week. So I like you when after Christmas back home when I was there when it's a lot of games. So uh, I always like the food. I always like the buffet. <laughs> yeah, it's good, too. It's good, too. <laughs> uh, hey, speaking of food, I want to ask you about this. Uh, I, I listened to, right before you got called up, you had done an interview on our yeah. Pipeline podcast, and you talked about cooking and how much you, you like to cook now. Um, what kind of cooking are you doing here? Are you making sure that you're getting some real good stuff? Yeah, I do, uh, especially now my girlfriend is here, so we do it. I do some you know, cooking back home. Uh, it's uh, funnier when I can do it for someone too, and not by myself only. Yeah, you like that better. Yeah, I like that. Like to show off a little bit with that. Yeah. What's your specialty? <laughs> it depends on what day and uh, what kind of uh, uh, mood I am, uh, but I think some kind of pasta and stuff like that uh, is my go-to. See, that's why I like to call you the Swedish chef. Yeah, because you're okay. That's, that's perfect. That's perfect. <laughs> that's perfect. Yeah, okay. yeah, that's perfect. Right. Good, Marcus. Thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. It's been really fun to watch you play and and develop. And, uh, and quite frankly, we don't say your name a lot because you don't make many mistakes, and that's a good thing. So, uh, congratulations on what you've done so far. Best of luck to you uh, the thank rest you. of the way, and good luck against the Islanders tomorrow night. Thank you. All right. Thank you. That Thank you, Marcus. Is, uh, Marcus Bjork of the Blue Jackets. Stay tuned. We're going to bring in another young defenseman next as Tim Burney will join us as the Inside Edge continues here on 97.1 The Fan. Young guys are playing really well. Some of them are, you know, finding their games and, and getting some real confidence now. And, and it's it's fun to watch. It's fun to be a part of. It's, you know, frustrating that we're not getting the results. But, um, you know, it, it's not like there's there's not growth there. You know, it's not like there's there's not good things happening in, in a lot of different areas. That is Eric Goodbranson of the Blue Jackets talking about the development of young players. And we've got another young defenseman with us right now is Tim Burney joins us. And not only is Tim a young player on this team, but he happens to be the defensive partner of Eric Goodbranson. So I knew it would all work together. So, Tim, thank you very much for being here. Let me start right there and ask you about that. I mean, here you are playing in the NHL and, uh, you know, you started the year in Cleveland. Now you're here and you're playing with Goodbranson primarily. And how much has that helped you to settle in here having a veteran guy on the other side to just kind of calm things for you. Yeah, it definitely helped me. Helped me big time. Um he he's been he's been very um good for me. Like I know what I get every night and he talks a lot to me on the ice especially and that that helps me coming into the NHL to 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 yeah, be confident and make plays and don't just throw the puck away and um I feel I feel like he he definitely calm calmed me down for for the first couple games here. If you go back to the uh, to training camp actually, you know, you're late cut from training camp and as I said you went to Cleveland and then these injuries start happening all over the place and you're with the monsters and you're watching this teammate go up and this teammate go up and whether it's a forward or a D-man I mean this stuff is going on all around you at that point 
I know you want to control your own game and you want to make sure that you're playing well, but, you know, after four or five, six guys get called up, do you, and, and you know what's going on here because you're always watching the injury situation. Uh, does it get to a point where you wonder, am I going to get the call? Am I going to be the next guy? Yeah, you definitely wonder. Um, I feel like it's natural to, to wonder and to be curious what's going on. And, I mean, you said it, you, you, you see the injury reports and uh, you feel like you play good down there, so you definitely want to get your chance. Um, but uh, on the other hand, it's it doesn't really um, matter what you think at this time because you, you, you don't really can you can't control that thing. And uh, it's just a matter of keep playing, keep playing your way, and then you get your chance eventually because they, they want to see you be being consistent in the HL. And that, that was kind of the process for me, for sure. And it was kind of funny how when the call-up came, actually Billy Sweezy got called up before you did. And Billy was here, and he was practicing for about a week, and then you got called up, and then all of a sudden you got a chance to jump into a game before he did. He got sent back down, and I don't think you've gotten taken out of the lineup since, as a matter of fact. So uh, you talk about taking advantage of opportunities. That was yours. Yeah, for sure. I mean, well, once you get the opportunity, you definitely want to make an impact. And uh, I mean, you never know what they what they plan with you if they uh, get you in with, with a game. I've, I just wanted to focus on every practice and kind of hear, uh, yeah, that the plan they have with me. And then uh, once I, I knew, once I get in the game, I just have to make an impact and uh, do my job well to to help the team. Yeah, Jody, remember when uh, when you were playing, at least at the beginning, when. The injury reports, and I was just thinking when Tim was talking about that, to check the injury report, all you got to do is look at Twitter or any other social media that you want to. Remember you had to get the newspaper and look at the transactions (laughs) to find find out who was Man, (laughs) that sounds so old, doesn't it? Yeah, I used to have to get the newspaper in the morning. (laughs) But I used to try to figure out who was called up on the other team that the tough guy was going to be in the lineup the next night. I didn't know right away, which might have been a good thing. Hey, Tim, I want to know, what's life like in Switzerland? I've never been there, but all I see is pictures, beautiful pictures, mountains, skiing. Uh, what's it like over there growing up in that area? Oh, it's awesome. Yeah, no, I, I can definitely recommend a visit for you. Um, it's uh, it's it's perfect. I mean, I I would have, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm so lucky I grew up there. Um, Zurich is a city where you pretty much have everything, but it's obviously a lot smaller than here. I think, I mean, Ohio is bigger than Switzerland land wise so and even population wise i think so it's it's everything's like a lot smaller like no skyscrapers and everything's like in in distance where you can like go with the train or like the public um, transportation system is awesome and yeah no it's it's been it's been uh fun to grow up there and we definitely went skiing and did all those uh swiss things for sure how'd you get into uh, hockey my uh, my dad played when he when he was younger, and uh, he went up to I think the third highest Swiss league, and then he kind of focused on his job. And then my brother, he's two years older, he started as well once uh, once he was old enough, and then I I just kind of followed. Your skating is very very good. Is that is that a big focus when you were a young kid? Um, I think I was just lucky that in the the team I played, they uh, they had a skating coach coming in like once a week or twice a week. I, I remember doing a lot of like the power skating stuff, and I always obviously like as a young player, you you don't really like that skating. You you want to play games or you want to like play three on three or whatever. So I I always remember uh, I knew it's important, but I always uh, obviously I, I want to do different stuff too. But uh, I think that definitely helped me and. Uh, yeah, I'm thankful for the development from from that team. Yeah. No, I just got my kids' outdoor rink up. It's gonna we're gonna lose it today because it's gonna get warm uh, here in the next few days. How much outdoor hockey were you able to play over there in in, uh, in that area? 
Uh, we definitely had some outdoor rinks, but it's uh, it's not like here or in Canada where they build rinks like in their backyards. So not a lot of guys have rinks in their backyards, and so you you definitely have to find find ice. Um, uh, it's 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 a little uh, more difficult, I think, but. Uh, yeah, we definitely had some some fun times uh, skating skating outdoors and uh, some practice outdoors is always fun. I would actually like to practice outdoors once again here. It's, that'd, be, <laughs> that'd be super. It was probably far more picturesque over there, though. You, I, I picture like you have to find a, a lake in a mountain or something and <laughs> skate on that. <laughs> well, yeah, we never went that far like that, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that that would be awesome. I mean, there's there's definitely uh, some lakes up in in Saint Moritz, for example. They they freeze uh, pretty consistently, but where I lived, it, it's it's not as cold anymore. So when you look at your journey to get here, you played in Zurich. It looked like was it two teams in Zurich that you got you started on the the, the lower level and, and got called up? Is that how it worked? Yeah, so Zurich has kind of a farm team um, called the GCK Lions, and they uh, they play like twenty minutes from from uh, where the Zurich Lions play, and that's where I started to play it half a year, and then they called me up. Yeah. So you're pretty lucky. You've played in Zurich, and now you're in Cleveland and Columbus. Back when Bob and I were in the minors, uh, the minor league team would be on the East Coast when I was in San Jose, and we'd call them up from uh, the Connecticut area. They'd have to fly five hours to get to our big club. So you've been pretty lucky with your location of your uh, minor league teams. For sure, yeah. No, I, I mean, Cleveland and Columbus is a two-hour drive, so yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty lucky for sure. So tell walk us through what it was like when you got the call up because when I asked a couple of people about your game and why it took you so long to get up, they said that your game was rising as the players were going down. Did you feel that in Cleveland yourself? Did you feel like you kind of had a, a start a little behind a couple guys? Um, I've, I think for me it was a process to kind of find out what player I can be here. Um, just last year it was kind of I came here and then I had to adjust with the smaller ice surface and getting to know um, the AHL a little bit. And um, yeah, then once like towards the end of the year, I got I got better and then I just wanted to start the same uh, this year. And I think that the first couple of games were a little chaotic. And then once I, I got consistent, it definitely, uh, yeah, I, I, I had a chance to play my game and they, they gave me a lot of trust and that, that helped me. Can you explain to our listeners what, because we've heard that a lot. We have a lot of guys from Europe on this team uh adjusting to the ice what's that like for you as a player especially a defenseman as a defenseman for me it was mostly just reading reading the rush and and kind of when to pinch so when to uh, attack and uh, when to like go back and uh, kind of live for another day with, with the play and that was definitely yeah the, the reads I, I had to adjust a little bit because the angles obviously are a little different when when the ice surface gets smaller and um, also going into the corner and, and battle level. I think there's a lot more one-on-one battles you have to you have to win over here. And in, in Europe, it's mostly, it's more like a flow style game and, and puck control. So it's, it's a, yeah, it's different. So it took a little adjustment. So defenseman, you leave the guy in the corner, you wouldn't chase outside the dots, right? You would just kind of let that play develop on the outside and protect the middle? In Europe, you mean? Yeah, yeah in Europe. Yeah, um, for sure. You you just try to keep him away from the net, but it's 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 less more like an infight. Obviously, like here, I feel like you can close space quicker because obviously there's less space. And uh, yeah, that that was that was an adjustment just to be more physical here than I than I was in Switzerland. Talking with defenseman Tim Burney of the Blue Jackets. I want to go back a couple of seasons ago. This would have been the 2021 season, uh, COVID season. I 
it wasn't that long ago, but it feels like a million years ago sometimes when I think about this stuff. But the Blue Jackets actually allowed you to go and play in Switzerland, right? And instead of waiting it out and seeing what was going to happen here and when the season was going to start, you got the opportunity to go there and just to play. As you look back on it now, how big was that for you that there was kind of no interruption, whereas some guys, they, they did. They had to wait. They had to train. They, they couldn't play games. How big was that for you to be able to go back over there and play? Yeah, that was huge, of course. I mean, I, I think I, I played 50 games that year, and that's like 20 more games than the HL played, I think, or not even more. Um, so th- that was that was definitely big for me to to be back um, home as well, like in, in Zurich, and now waiting it out here and, and kind of see see where it's going. But uh, obviously, I I would have liked to to play here, um, be be part of the be part of Cleveland and and kind of see where it's going here. But um, at the end of the day, it definitely gave me more to play play the 50 games in, in Switzerland. Was that a big concern at the time? I mean, I, I would think that had to be a tough decision because you do want to play the games, but as you just said, once the American League starts playing and the NHL is playing, you don't want to be forgotten in the conversation, for lack of a better way to put it, right? Yeah, obviously you're you're a little far away when you play in Switzerland. Like, I mean, obviously they're scouting, but when you play here, you're, you're right there. You're like, you, you knock at the door pretty much, and... That was definitely a thought of mine. Uh, I I wanted to to get over here, especially because I had a, a good year in Switzerland, and I kind of wanted to to uh, yeah keep the flow going and and uh, transition over here. And then I I but I stayed home, and it was fine like this as well. Yeah, great decision as it turns out, especially since we're sitting here and talking about it right now. Um, you still wake up pinching yourself here after a couple of weeks that you're waking up in the na- in the National Hockey League every day. Yeah, you definitely have to. I mean, I have to remind myself a little bit sometimes. It's still definitely surreal. And um, I mean, once you get here and you kind of reach the, the dream of playing an NHL game, it's it's a weird feeling because you, you're always chasing the next dream right away. You, you never, like, you play one game, you want to play 10. You play 10, you want to play 50. And then it just keeps going. And I think that's kind of the, the thing I noticed. Um, obviously, once you kind of aspire to play in the NHL, you think like, oh, once you made it, it's like, such a cool feeling but then you're here and you just try to focus on every day and be in a moment because you know it like they can send you down at any any point in time you know so it's it's uh yeah the, the grind kind of never stops which which is also a, a good feeling yeah and that's happened for all of us I mean uh whether you guys as players or, or me as a broadcaster you find as you said you finally get that call and you get that chance and then it's at that time that you realize what the saying means when they say it's hard to get there, it's harder to stay there, right? If you're not doing your work day in and day out. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's what they all say, and I definitely realized that as well, yeah. Yeah, nobody believes it until you – you always hope that you get to believe it, uh, that you get to experience it, and then you do, and you go, oh, my God, now I know exactly what they mean. There's always something more to work for, that's for sure. Hey, Tim, I want to ask you, big upset – well, we call it upset, but Switzerland beats Finland in game one of the World Junior Tournaments. Did you Did you watch that? And I know you played three years, right, for Switzerland in that tournament? Yeah, I had the chance to play three. Um, and I didn't watch that game specifically. I definitely watched the highlights. Um, but I, obviously, I'm, I'm following every every year um, when Switzerland is playing because it's such a such a cool tournament, and I know how it, how it feels to be there. And uh, obviously, a huge win for, for the boys. And they also won against Latvia. So now they're, yeah, two wins into the tournament, which, which is nice because um, as a smaller country team you you come into the tournament and you're like hoping to get a win to get to the quarterfinals and it's nice to get those wins early so you kind of play free and you don't have to worry about winning against 
whoever comes 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 next. So yeah, that was definitely huge. What's going on with Switzerland hockey over there? I mean, it seems like you know we always talk about Sweden, uh, Finland, Russia, Canada, US. Switzerland's under the radar with how they're developing their players, aren't they? I think I think so. Yeah, they they definitely. I mean, they uh, they developed a lot a lot more the last couple of years. So they a lot of coaches went to Sweden, to Finland, or over here to kind of see how how uh, how you guys or or the Swedes are developing players, and and we we adjusted a lot in in a lot of organizations, and that helped. So y- you can see it already in in the national teams like. Switzerland is, get, is getting better every year and and, and making a, a step in the right direction and even on the uh, on the men's level national team they they're always uh, always a good competitor now and and that's that's super fun and you also see it in how many players um, we have in the NHL now it's it's getting more and more every year. When you train, did you, you train back home in Switzerland? Do, do you ever are you ever around NHL players or you have you been around guys uh, at a young age to kind of get that next level of training and see what it takes? So when you when I played in Switzerland, um, you have to train with the team. As as a Swiss guy, they they make you uh, train with the team, which is which is awesome. You you with the with the guys every day, and that's that's uh, yeah super fun. And then once I knew I I come over here, I kind of individualized it a little more, and and I we have a small group with uh, some Swiss NHL players, with Jonas Siegenthaler for ex- for example, he's on uh, New Jersey, and then Pius Suter from from Detroit, and. Uh, yeah, we we also skate with pretty much every other um, NHL Swiss NHL guy in the summers, and that's super cool. I kind of get some inputs from them and and see see the level they're at. I, I asked Marcus Bjork this, so I'm going to ask you: What was your moment, your kind of welcome moment to the NHL? Was it a, a place a player made against you, or a play that you couldn't believe someone was coming down on you? What was the moment where you're like, "Wow, I can't believe this is happening right now"? Um. Uh, that uh, I think they're like a couple moments, but the uh, the first one I had was against Pittsburgh, obviously lining up against Crosby's line for the first face-off of the game, and I was like, wow, that it looks just like in a video game I play, you know. So that's uh, push the right buttons, yeah. Tim. <laughs> <laughs> and I was lining up and I was hoping for for an easy shift, and I think uh, the second play that happened was like um, somebody passed it to Crosby, but it bounced over his stick, and I I caught the puck and just put it D to D and, and then we got it in and I changed and I was like, wow, first shift's over. That's good. <laughs> you kept it short and sweet. That's well done. Short and sweet. That That's what it's all about. Yeah. Hey, you uh, have really good English. Is uh, How many languages do you actually speak and how did you learn English? Um, so I learned English in, in school mainly. We we had English since, since I was probably seven or eight years old in school. And then... Um, I also knew English is kind of the, the hockey language, so I started watching a lot of stuff in English on whatever it was, YouTube or later uh, Netflix uh, series. I, I always tried to to uh, develop my English, and obviously, once you get to a certain level, the coaches um, talk in English to you. Also, also in Switzerland, we had Swedish, Canadian coaches, um, Swiss coaches, but they also have to talk English because we have imports. And yeah, that's where I developed the English and. Um, languages. I, I had some French as well. Um, I'm not really fluent at, at, at French, but I, I can understand and, and talk a little bit. And then obviously German. We talk German um, and Swiss German. I'm, I'm from the Swiss German part of Switzerland. Right on. Who was your English coach over there? Did you have a, did you have a former NHL coach over in Switzerland? Um, 
performer in it. I don't know. I had Serge Aubin. He he was a Canadian. Oh yeah, coach. we know Serge Aubin. Yeah. He used to play here. Really? Did he? I didn't. He played for the Blue Jackets yeah, early yeah. on. Original early on. Blue Jackets. Yeah, I had him for for a little bit. Um, and then uh, they switched. We had some. We had Richard Grönborg for the most most of the time. He he was, uh, I think, four years coached the Swedish national team. Um, so he he knows a lot of NHL players and a lot of guys. Um, but yeah, definitely some some good coaches over there. So Jody, there you go. You got to get Sergio Band back over here for an alumni game now. Right. Yeah, yeah, we got to get you back. Have, you have an in. You have a guy. You have a, a contact. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. We'll call Serge and get him over. We'll get him to have a conversation with you. That would be awesome. <laughs> Tim, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, and best of luck against the Islanders tomorrow night. And as as we both said here along the way, it's been fun to watch you play and uh, and watch you grow and develop. So uh, tell Good Branson to keep being that rudder and keeping you straight there, and and uh, everything will go fine here. Happy New Year to you. Sounds good. Happy New Year, guys. Thanks for having me. All right, that is Tim Burney of the Blue Jackets. Stay tuned. We'll be back to wrap up this week's edition of the Inside Edge right after this on 97.1 The Fan. Welcome back to the Inside Edge, getting ready to close out this week's show. The Blue Jackets are going to be in New York playing on Long Island. Exactly. We're, we're here getting ready for the game at UBS Arena against the New York Islanders tomorrow night, and the Islanders coming off a 5-1 drubbing of the Pittsburgh Penguins just last night. So uh, the Islanders are a much different team now, Jody, than they were at the beginning of the year. Or maybe I shouldn't say different. They're a different team than they were last year. Last year they were underachievers. This year they're back to being what they have been the past few seasons, uh, a staunch defensive team who's now finding the back of the net a little bit more than they were earlier in the year. Yeah, you know what? They've got some key pieces that are doing what they need to do. Uh, their goaltending is short up. They're, they're a team that, Last year they had injuries, and then you know they traveled for the first—I don't know how many games. I think games. it was a month and a half. Yep. Month and a half where they didn't—they weren't able to play at home. They had COVID issues, they had injury issues, and they were a little old. Chara was that guy playing at 44 years old in the National Hockey League. He was getting it done, but you know maybe counted on a little too much with guys out of the lineup, and they just kind of lost their way. So this is the Islanders you would expect. You know they beat the Florida Panthers going into the break five-one. Uh, and then they beat the they won the last game over the Pittsburgh Penguins five one so ten goals in their last two games before that you know they lost to Arizona they lost to the Rangers they're, they're, they've they're still looking for consistency but you're right they're that team under Lane Lambert now the head coach who took over from Barry Trotz who has a little more offense he's starting to let Barzell go a little bit but also he's a guy that uh, is is relying on that defensive position. You know, Brock Nelson's their leading point getter with 34. Barzell is right there with 33. And then you have Anders Lee, of course, uh, and Sorokin and Varlamov. So two good goaltenders. They are what they are. I mean, they're a team that can grind it out. That whole New York area now, all three teams are right in the mix, which is great for that whole area. And, and, and to have the Islanders and the Devils back up there is good for hockey. So for the Blue Jackets now, they're going into a, con- a building with a confident team. Uh, you always hear... Brad Larson talked about, would you just have to worry about our own team and the way we play? And that's true. I mean, there's that Chicago game, Bob, I go back to that. and That was awfully disappointing. Chicago's not a good team at all. They're the worst team in the National Hockey League. And the Blue Jackets just made too many errors in their own way. They, they just gave up pucks at the wrong time, didn't battle to get pucks out in certain areas. And, and against this Islander team, the Blue Jackets have to play a collective effort 
to get that elusive win that they just can't seem to get. So, um, you know, hopefully these couple of two practice days will help them sharpen up a little bit because it's the fine details of the game against the Islanders who played them very well. Like, what I say is, like, you can't turn over a puck in your defensive zone at the blue line. You know, I go back to the line I play where it looked like he got hooked. You know, he's got to be focused on getting that puck out of the zone. That's when you – it should be if you have the puck, it gets out of the zone, not get the puck at the top of that zone and then think about offense. There, there's a whole process there. So the mindset for this team needs to be sharp against the Islanders tomorrow night. Jensen plays it ahead. Picked by Connor, played onto Ovechkin. Alex Ovechkin at the line, feeds it. Because Netsoff doesn't want to shoot it. I'm not sure Ovi wanted to shoot it either. There it is. There it is. Alex Ovechkin has overtaken Mr. Hockey. And one great hill left to climb. A group hug, an individual hug for Alex Ovechkin. A breathtaking number to pass Mr. Hockey, Gordy Howe. Astounding, spectacular, and absolutely wonderful to do it here on home ice with all his fans in attendance, everybody clad in the great eights numbers, saluting the fans. Only one great left to hunt down, and that's the great one. The big story in the National Hockey League in the past week is Alex Ovechkin. He has now passed Gordie Howe with career goals, and he is focused solely on Wayne Gretzky. Uh, again, this continues to be a pretty good story, a feel-good story is what I mean to say. And... Uh, you know, Alex was ripping off goals like nobody's business early on. Then he slowed down for a little bit there. Uh, I don't know if any pressure got to him or what the case may be, but he's he's back in the news and he's just churning away. And as I said here over these next couple of seasons, that's what he's going to be looking to do. He's going to be looking to pass Wayne Gretzky. 500 goals is a lot of goals. I mean, 500 goals for a player is a major milestone. And then you see this guy get 600, 700 now he's over 800 goals, and you look at the names. I mean, there's no one, no one higher in the war in this game in this sport than than Wayne Gretzky and Gordie Howe. And these are legends from, you know, pa the past that we, we tell stories about that people don't believe. And, and to see the number that Gretzky has at uh, you know just under 900, and now to see Ovechkin, and we've watched Ovechkin come into the league. Uh, and, and players and the game is different than it was when Gordie Howe and Wayne Gretzky played. And you know that this guy just scores goals. And players and teams, they set up their defense to make sure that, hey, make sure you understand that this guy is going to try – he's going to be a threat on the power play in that one spot. But also, he's unique because he's such a big, solid guy. He's strong. Strong on pucks. He's not always in the battle. He won a cup with Barry Trotz because he changed his game a little bit and committed to the team. But it is, it's just, it's amazing that at this time with video and technology and game plans that he is still ripping off goals like this. It's, uh, we're lucky to be able to be, be able to be watching this front row right now and, and tracking it. I agree with you. And when you think about that team, and especially right now, Nicholas Backstrom is hurt and, uh, you know, hasn't played. T.J. Oshie has been a guy that's in and out of the lineup. You know, when you look at uh, the teams like the Penguins, they've got the Crosby and the Malkin, bang, bang. Uh, you've got uh, McDavid and Dreisaitl out in Edmonton. But with the Washington Capitals, as you were just saying, you can focus your game plan around Alex Ovechkin. You can say, look, this is the guy that we need to stop. And, you know, those other players are they're good players, but you don't, like, to me, you don't have that 
like with those other two combinations I, I just talked about. But even though you try to game plan around the guy, you can't. It, it just doesn't happen. No. And then if you take a penalty, well, God forbid. Yeah. And his teammates understand how to play with him. And they can't, you know, they play situations through him. But, Bob, you also have to credit him. He's a better passer than we give him credit for. He understands that if he gives it up for the first half of the game or takes a couple shots here and there, but also goes to those key players, which he's always had some good ones to play with, especially on the power play, they're going to score. And I just love the way he celebrates. He celebrates his 801st and second goal just like he did his first goal. I mean, it's uh, there's an energy there that you love to see from a player. And 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 now, you know, I watched him get an assist last night where he's he's – He's so happy that uh, his teammate had scored the goal. So he's now a team-first guy and, and getting rewarded. But I'm also impressed with how he distributes the puck and understand he's, he understands he has to to be able to be a threat later in the game. Yeah, and he broke that, or he passed Gordy Howe in Chicago, and I thought it was uh, it was kind of neat, the, the reception that he got there because he was, uh, he was appreciated by the people in Chicago. And, of course, good hockey fans there, original Six City. But, um, you know, sometimes when guys are scoring goals against your team, you're not very happy about it, but it's a special yeah. situation. You know what is interesting about that? Uh, the Dallas Stars were the first game after he, he uh, scored his 800th. And there was a memo sent in the morning to the team that if he does score to Ty Gordy Howe, they will clear the benches and have a moment for him. And Jake Ottinger heard this, and he said in the press scrum, he said, that's not happening tonight. So it took him a little while. I think it was five games before he got it. Uh, and that was the memo that was going out to the teams, and that was the challenge, right? That was the carrot uh, for those teams to be like, uh-uh, not on our watch here tonight. So kind of a little interesting tidbit uh, early in those games uh, for those teams to be like, yeah, that sounds like a great ceremony, but we don't want to be out there celebrating his goal. <laughs> I love that Jake Ottinger said that, too. I mean, not like a, a Jonathan Quick or somebody that's been around right. the league for a long, long time, right? Right. He's a confident guy, and, and the guys in Dallas were saying, that's Jake. He's a guy that uh, likes those challenges and, and is very forthcoming with how he feels about it. <laughs> well, good good for him that he wasn't a part of the history there. <laughs> Made sure that his name wasn't in uh, any book there. The Blue Jackets, uh, tomorrow night, they play against the New York Islanders on Long Island at the UBS Arena. That game getting underway at 7.30 tomorrow night. Pre-game coverage starts at 7 o'clock right here on The Fan and the Blue Jackets Radio Network and on Bally Sports Ohio, where you'll be able to see Jody tomorrow. And don't forget, on New Year's Eve, the Blue Jackets are going to play a day game now. That got switched. So if you hadn't heard that, you better make a note. Uh, the Blue Jackets are going to play at 1 o'clock in the afternoon on New Year's Eve, which is on Saturday afternoon uh, against the Chicago Blackhawks. And that's a perfect setup because you can – Go to the hockey game in the afternoon. You can watch football at night. And uh, that, I'm actually looking forward to that day, Jody. That's that's a pretty cool yeah. day right there. That's awesome that they switched it. I mean, the Buckeyes being in the playoffs and, and that 8 o'clock game, uh, what a sports day in Columbus, Ohio, for the Blue Jackets and the Buckeyes. Uh, and, of course, it's New Year's Eve, Bob. So get to turn the page on 2022, which has been a great year. Uh, but, of course, we always look ahead to great things in 2023, and I think this organization uh, probably is too. So we'll be. A, I'm looking forward to that day. Perfect setup for us. We'll do the game, have a little dinner, and then sit back and eat nachos and, and uh, eat wings and watch those Buckeyes uh, beat Georgia. Yeah, watch football and stay out of the way of all the amateurs. It'll be out on New Year's Eve. That's That's the goal. <laughs> Jody, well, that's always the goal. <laughs> yeah, Jody, thank you very much. Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year, buddy.
All right, that's going to do it for this edition of the Inside Edge. We'd like to thank Marcus Bjork and Tim Burney for being our guests. And for Jody Shelley, I'm Bob McElligot saying Happy New Year, and thanks for listening to 97.1 The Fan.